Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Am I the only one who's rather alarmed at how fast this year is moving? Just a few weeks ago, I was behind a bar counting down into 2020. <laughs> and no, I'm not embarrassed. I had tons of fun. And now we're in March. Like, I feel like I blinked and we're in March. But I think that means I have been very busy, which of course I have. I did tell you I started off the year by letting go of my management team. And while, yes, I was in control of my projects, the direction, the the conceptualization of it all, it's... It's just made me more intentional. I already I used to think that I was as intentional as I could ever get, but now I am very more intentional about what I'm doing and the process and seeing the process to the end. So creating the concept, looking for partners for the concept, actualizing it and putting it out there. And it's a lot of work, but it's so fulfilling. Oh my God. You know, the funny thing is, a week ago or two weeks ago, somebody asked me, and they run a radio station, so they asked me, what would it take to get you back on radio? And dead ass, I started laughing. Like, <laughs> because I, I just couldn't imagine myself being in that situation again. In fact, I don't even think I identify with that Adele who is a radio presenter. I think, I just don't know that chick. <laughs> The outside, it's a lot of work, as I said, but it's very fulfilling and it's it's so beautiful to be hands-on and to be in charge of everything. I mean, even the stress, you're in charge of the stress, but it's it's I'm really liking it. I think I've found my ideal environment. I'm building it slowly, but I, I'm, I'm onto something. I can feel it. Yeah, but even with that whole being busy, I'm trying to find a balance between making sure life doesn't pass me by because I'm kind of concerned that 2020 has brought a lot of death with it and I've been trying to figure out are we at that age or <laughs> or what is going on and I don't even mean death of like public figures and celebrities I mean every day I will log on or rather every week I will log on to let's say Twitter and there'll be like a rest in peace thing of somebody that I may not have known personally but maybe I knew of them or somebody close to me knows them you know what I mean and it just makes you more aware of death and so I'm now very anal about trying to find that balance of yes I'm working hard and I'm in the beginning phase of what my next 10 years is going to look like so I understand the importance of putting in all the time and all the effort into what I'm doing but man I have to find a way to live life so that it doesn't pass me by and to really be in the moment. So I'm trying to like figure all of that out. I can't say I'm making any progress in that balance sector. I think I'm still working hard, but I'm trying to find that balance. So even like this coming weekend, I am going to Lake Magadi. I have never been. Can you imagine? So I'm going to Lake Magadi, which is in, in Kenya and just for the weekend to kind of breathe. I'm already hyperventilating at the thought of leaving behind my laptop. Because <laughs> I'm like, what if I get an email and I can't access some documents and I need to send. So I, I it's going to be a test as to whether I can switch off 
<laughs> because I think not only is is it needed, rest is very important, but also I just I don't want life to pass me by. I want to keep making memories that are outside of work and grind and ooh, the rat race, right? So wish me luck with that. Speaking of the rat race, though, I'm recording this on Saturday night, 7th of March. Reason being tomorrow, I am going to have such a busy day because it's International Women's Day. So I'm starting off the morning at Carolina for Kibera. They're an NGO who are my project partners for Safe 247. I've spoken about this program on this podcast before. It's under my initiative and it's a program to give survivors of rape access to free therapy. So actually, because I, I can see that there are a lot of new listeners, I'm going to put a link to Safe 247 in the description box. Um, yeah, so Carolina Fukibira and my partners on that project, it's moving so beautifully. Even today I was in Kibera the whole day with psychologists who volunteered to be part of the program and they are helping us build... Oh my God, there's a gecko in the corner of my office. Shoo! <laughs> God, I hate this shit. And I'm home alone. Oh, there have been very many geckos. And I even Googled that these things have teeth. I don't think there's docile as people take them for. And this is a baby one, so I'm just like, where the heck are your folks? Anyway. Safe 247. So, um, yeah, so we're building this curriculum that is, it's, it's going to be used to facilitate the free group therapy sessions. I can't begin to tell you, first, as an African woman, let's just start there. Secondly, as an African woman who is also a survivor of rape, going through this process, as much as it's very emotionally draining, because there's some things that will come up in the course of building this program that are triggers for me, but it's also so powerful because I'm learning so much about how with intentional psychosocial support, a survivor of rape, a survivor of trauma can actually be equipped with the tools to heal and start living again. So I think what we're doing is so beautiful. I think also what's so beautiful is that we've only been able to bring it to this point because of the fundraise I did in November and literally just on my social media platforms, asked people to donate and we raised just about $4,000. So 400,000 Kenya shillings. I remember when I posted up that M Changa page, legit, I thought we were only going to raise 10,000 Bob. And I was like, you know what? That'll be okay. Because I was like, do people really trust me to be able to execute this? Do people care enough for us survivors, do, do people want to change the situation? And I was pretty, you know, so touched by all the people who donated from around the world. Anyway, so I deflected and was telling you about Safety for Seven because I'm so proud of the progress that we've made. But I'm going to be there tomorrow at Carolina for Kibera. They've brought together 400 girls and there are a couple of women who are going to be speaking about their journeys in life and just sharing their life lessons with the girls. I think they've modeled it to be more of a storytelling type of engagement, which I love. Um, and then in the afternoon, I've been telling you, Val and I are holding a talk, our first joint activation. Ah, This is like 
a milestone for our friendship. You know, we've been friends. Bal is my best friend, if you didn't know. And we've been friends for 15 years, which is almost half my life because I'm 31 now. She, on my birthday, wrote this beautiful blog post and she said, we actually met when I was 15 years old. It was 11 days before my birthday. Can you imagine? She remembers all of that. <laughs> She's good with numbers. I'm not. But yeah, so we're going to be hosting this talk tomorrow because right now, as I record this, it's Saturday night. And I'm so nervous about it because, you know, first the client who approached me just wanted me to do a talk for Women's Day. But I was like, let's spice it up. Let's do something a bit more real and a bit more different. And they were game for this idea. So it's the first time, not first time, but like first time this year, not first time this year. I lied because I've pitched something else that was picked up. Actually, I don't know why I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm trying to look for a reason why I'm nervous, but um, I'm just nervous. I'm anxious. I'm I'm excited as well. I really want to enjoy the session. And for those of you who are not in Nairobi or who cannot make it, we're going to be recording the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'll share it later on this week on my social media platforms, which is Adele Onyango on Facebook and on, on Instagram. I'll probably put it on those two platforms. But yeah, and I'm also so touched because tomorrow is Val's late mom's birthday. So I'm like, wow. I mean, I know there's so much love between us. We are best friends, but I think it's so huge of her to spend that day doing something with me because I know firsthand how those milestones related to somebody you loved who's passed away are so important. Wish us luck, guys. I, I'm sure we're going to have tons of fun. But before <laughs> I get carried away with all the things happening with me, today's 100 African story is so powerful. Um, we've had a story in a past episode that has mentioned colorism that was actually told by a cousin of mine. And I didn't ever know that that was something she was going through. In fact, I to date admire her skin like she's got this rich dark skin and it it's you know me my skin is patchy <laughs> i've told you guys before i have issues with like my scars there's so many things that interrupt the flow of my skin i'd always look at my cousin's skin and just be like it's it's uninterrupted beautiful blackness but because you're thinking like that you don't think that there are other people who are judging her or making her feel a certain way because of that very same skin that you admire. So today's story does touch on colorism. When I was recording it, I remember thinking, it's so interesting what our definitions of what beauty is or what attractive is are and what informs those definitions. So for example, let me touch on something that I'm constantly trolled for, which is my teeth, right? And so I have, I guess you could say my teeth are crooked. I'm really not sure because honestly, I only started getting trolled about my teeth in the last decade, Yanni, when I, I, I joined radio. Before then, like through primary school, and you know how primary kids can be vicious. Not once did anybody ever make fun of me because of my teeth. In high school, again, a space where people can be very mean. And I was in a mixed high school, so you can imagine all of those dynamics. 
Not once did anyone ever bring up my teeth. But as soon as I joined radio, I had to realize that, oh, my teeth are crooked. (laughs) Because all through primary and high school, all that I used to get told was, oh, she's a girl who has such a beautiful smile. She's a girl who's always smiling. And and because that's true, I am 90% of the time smiling. My definition of beauty, because of how I was brought up, was never based on whether I looked like the next girl or whether I fit into some greater definition society has like handed down to us. I was never brought up that way. God bless my mother. I was never brought up that way. So I never felt something was wrong with me until A, I joined radio and then people started trolling me. And B, after I got raped because a lot of things but physically and psychologically were broken for me. And so I had to rebuild a lot of definitions for myself. I would just love you to listen to the story. After which, especially as Africans, just reevaluate the definitions that we have on beauty, on success, on wealth, on ourselves, right? And what definitions of those things do you have And even bigger than that, what influences you to have that definition? A hundred African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, There was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. My name is Sunita Akello and I'm from Uganda. So my story starts way back when, (laughs) oh my God, maybe like over 20 years ago, but there's no need to like really go into that. But yeah, I was a, I was a young girl. I was at school here in Kenya. I used to go to a school somewhere up in Limuru and uh, me and my friend uh, used to to play tennis, I remember. So as we were walking up from the field area, um, there were two boys that were playing and then I remember one of them said I can't remember what they were talking about literally me and my friend walked into the situation one of them he pointed at my friend and said my friend so I'll tell you a backstory my friend was lighter skinned that's important but he pointed at her and he was like this one is my girlfriend and then the other guy that he was with then pointed at me and he was like, okay fine then the other one is my girlfriend the other boy that pointed to my friend who was light-skinned his reply to that was that one as black as charcoal and that is the first time i ever knew that there was something about my skin tone that was probably less appealing to the world but then also i mean like having now just said that story i feel like because i've been looking at like life as um half full and half empty the fact is in that situation one dude was like ah that one's mine but then i didn't pay attention to the dude that was like hey give me some of that dark chocolate (laughs) i was like i paid attention to the negative so as i go through like school i went into high school constant jokes about like how i was darker skinned i need to stop tanning get out of the sun stuff like that and i just got a lot 
a lot of comments and, and I was made fun of. And it wasn't nice. Honestly, it wasn't nice. I remember there was a time when we were in art class. I remember th at this point now I was in school in a different country and I was, it was so hot and like there was a glass um, partition in the roof. So the sun was like literally beaming down. Then I happened to be sitting there. And then like, I remember one dude in my class was like, uh, Samia should stop sitting under there because like she's tanning too much and then like everyone started laughing like the whole class and to be honest it was like that is so humiliating especially when like um so going through school when I think about it I don't actually remember a lot of other girls that were as the same complexion as me because I remember especially like now the other country I went to to school in was Malawi so I remember a girl confusing me for like coming from Sudan she was like she saw my dark skin she's like that one's from Sudan and it's just kind of like it was the kind of obvious are you Sudanese because like you're very very dark skinned it's like no I'm not like you know there's like there's also Senegalese people that look there's like Kenyan there's even Malawian people like from all walks of life I remember also um because I I've traveled around my whole life so I've gone to school in different many different places I do consider Kenya my home because I've stayed here the longest time I remember when I was in school in Malawi, the next place I was going to go to school was England. And I remember, you know, it's, it's kind of things like also backhanded comments that just keep on coming your way as a, like, as a dark skinned lady, it's just kind of like, like all these, you know, things not to tell a dark skinned woman as a compliment. I remember when I was in school, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to England, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to feel about that, this, that, and the other. And then one of my friends were like, well, at least those guys out there will like your skin tone. I was like, whoa! You see, you know, now you see like all these kind of like stereotypes that come with it. Like now, oh, you look like, you look like the type that my, white men like. And I'm like, but I like black men, <laughs> you know? <laughs> also another comment that I had heard was like, oh, you're pretty for a dark skin girl. And then I was like, I don't think that's a compliment. And then my other friend was like, yeah, it is. And I was like, no, it's not. I wouldn't look prettier if I was lighter skinned. You know that, right? And she was like, no, babe, yes, you would. <laughs> like I've had, I've had so many people tell me so much and I got used to it. But then I think the thing that does hurt um, the most is when people think that it's all in your head. Mm -hmm. I used to think that I went through this alone and I'm happy that like there are a couple of like great Kenyan models whose interviews I've watched and just seeing things that happen online like on social media that have gone through this. So when I started to see like oh it's not just me actually mm -hmm. people have also gone through the same thing I've gone through I was just like why why am I stuck here? Because the feeling of being less attractive or being less accepted if I'm very very honest I only realized recently there were certain places I thought I was not accepted because of my skin tone there were certain people I felt like I, I didn't have a seat at the table mm -hmm. because of my skin tone I felt that people and it and it was a genuine thing where I felt like people of lighter skin tone were probably better than me you just you see so much stuff how how um 
um, being black in the 80s, black on television in the mm -hmm. 80s, if you like look at all these movies from back in the day, like for instance, let's talk about if you've ever seen the movie Boomerang mm -hmm. with Eddie Murphy mm -hmm. and how um, the object of affection was always someone with a fairer skin tone. Mm -hmm. But then there was always like that darker skin girl that was always like, like for instance, Grace Jones mm -hmm. was always portrayed as like, extremely eccentric and extremely loud and like almost those like um like stereotypically offensive mm -hmm. black women you'll see it in shows like martin mm -hmm. martin's girlfriend was like the lighter skin girl and then the other darker skin girl was the one that was always like sassy so it's also something that has actually been programmed into us as black people and i it came to a point where I I feel like I allowed it to like rule my life and I allowed it to kind of like place me where I thought I was. I read something. It said that dark women are basically um, more likely to be raped. They're more likely to receive abuse. There was a whole list of like, we're more likely to not get jobs. Um, there, there was a whole list of all this negative stuff. I, I read that and I was like, I decided at that point, that is not my future. That is not what I'm going to go through, you know? And that was then, I think, a point where my brain switched. That's when I started thinking outside of my body, I guess. I started thinking of me as like, I am this soul or spirit and, and I don't know where I've come from, but then this is the vessel that I'm currently in. But if I feel like this as a soul, why should I then allow what my vessel is to limit me because of my identity? So I started trying to like find a lot of healing from there and just trying to uh, tackle the the sort of like issues that got me into that space in the first place. So I've been doing a lot of my own healing. So it's so interesting about like how my healing actually got me, like the spaces, it's not taken like the next day, like I'm cutting off people from my spaces. It's taken a long time because it's taken like, I think three years from when I got, saw that to like where I am now. Because the thing with healing is like, I, I haven't been healing as as just like that dark skin girl but i've been healing as sinita who has also been through a lot of stuff in her life and that is an aspect that's touched on it so very recently actually i was at a shoot for a client who is white and to be honest i just felt extremely uncomfortable like he made me feel extremely uncomfortable because I felt as though, I, I felt a very, very prejudiced vibe coming off of him, to be very honest. Even the way the shoot was, who the model was, you know, I could just tell. That time, to be honest, I felt racism and I also felt colorism because the specific model in question was half white. Um, on top of that, the hair brief was to straighten them curls away. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know, like for me, I just started to, I was like, I see where, how you're moving. To be honest, I had shot with them like a couple of years ago. And from that point, I was like, 
Uh, you know, with me, where my goals are and like what my my values are, my core values, because I look at my core values first before I create my goals. So my core values tell me that this, your brand and my brand, they don't align. You know, if that's how you want to carry yourself, that's your heritage. You've lived a whole different life that I honestly will never understand. That's up to you. But then let me do me over here and you do you over there. As, especially as a freelancer in the industry, you know, like you're in this great industry. It's been hard to make money. You're finally like breaking even. When jobs come, you know, you're just like at some point, especially in January, you're like, hey, I know I said that I wasn't going to like... Are we allowed to cuss on this? Yes, yes. <laughs> I know I said I wasn't going to fuck with you, but like January is here and it's very, very hot. <laughs> so I just went like, you know, sometimes you're put in a position where you're like, okay, let me just focus and get what I need. The reason I think it's interesting with healing is because I've reached a space because of how uncomfortable I was made to feel. And to be honest, like as women, um, I read somewhere where we'll have breakdowns and come through like, so I was having my little like teary moments and being like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. But coming through like, I know punk, dude, I know punk, like just trying to also be strong within the situation. But that is a, a situation that honestly, I would never want to put anybody through you know no no person should ever go to should ever be made to feel like that as freelancers we're always like like we put our clients on a pedestal mm -hmm. but then the way i i approach everything is before you consider yourself even a freelancer or photographer freelance photographer freelance makeup artist freelance whatever you're actually the person that you are inside just because that person is paying you to do how much money, it does not matter. That person has no, no like justification in making you feel anyway. And actually the fact that that person is your client should even make them feel more pressure to make you feel comfortable because the reason that you are there is because of them. But no client should ever make you feel like you don't belong where you are. Because if that was the case, why don't you bring makeup artists then from your country and so that they can do the work for you? Though one thing is it won't affect me the same way it used to. Because when it affected me before, I remember how it affected me is then it, it was the self-talk. You know, it was like that. It's because then my skin then, it's because my skin is not good enough. Honestly, very, very dark ugly thoughts that i used to to think about myself but then now the great thing about healing and that's why i said i i'm not healing as a dark-skinned girl but i'm healing as sunita mm -hmm. is you heal but then like it's about loving yourself gathering a lot of tools to also understand and then having empathy mm -hmm. for having empathy for people is surprisingly and it's the thing that when people tell you, have empathy for them. You know, it's like, I was recently um, involved in like the whole Jays thing. If you as a black person or you as a black um, waitress, let's just use it in context, prefers to serve like a white person 
um, rather than a black person in my mind to me, because like even to say back that to have the nerve to say back that white people are tippers, you know, is literally saying y'all are broke. Like that for me is self-hate that is what colorism is and everyone has their preference i'm also trying to like not roll my eyes every time i hear a dude say man i like yellow bone dudes i like yellow bones and red bones i'm trying to not roll my eyes because they're all there are also those dudes that have their preference of darker skin girls my preference i like black men that is my preference but i would never like now divide and conquer and start to say, no, my preference stops at this tone or it continues at that tone. You know, for me, I love all my people. They're all a reflection of myself. And I think that I ain't too bad. You know, when I look in the mirror, I like what I see. So I just think that if your preference is something that's other than what you see in the mirror, I'm not saying that you got problems, but I'm just saying that maybe... You should start to really dig deep and see what is it that is, what is it about your reflection that you don't want to mirror? So for those of you that are not based in Nairobi, there was a recent incident that happened at a club called Jay's. Um, I'm not going to speak about other people's stories, but then I was also in a situation where I was assaulted by their bouncers and their response, to say the least, was... It was dissatisfactory, <laughs> basically. This happened. So the funny thing about that, and to be honest, it's very important, the people, sometimes I feel like the most high sends the people that you really need to you at that point. The best advice I received from that was forgive them. So we were talking about empathy and how empathy, like surprisingly, is helps with healing and it also helps with your outlook on people this person told me forgive i wanted to be like what are you talking about you know but then i was calm i can because it's it, it's hard when you're hurting for someone to be like can you forgive them because you're like are you serious like this person hurt me this person has violated me and you're talking about me like doing what but i'm so grateful that life moved like that and I was able to speak to this person at the point that I did throughout that day because from when they said can you forgive I was like I don't know about all that but then when I started thinking about it more and more and listening to her talk it made sense to me and forgiveness the thing is people it's not for the other person forgiveness is for you Literally, it's almost like a weight. I can feel the physical effects of when you experience forgiveness. Also, empathy. What's going on in that person's life that made them react like that to me? Because at the end of the day, I was talking about it. I was quite bruised. I was like, if, if I was white, you would have been able to see. And then I stopped and I was like, actually, if I was white, you wouldn't be able to see shit. Because I wouldn't have ever been put in that situation. So that comes round to what is it that makes you so comfortable to put your hands on me? I'm a stranger. You don't even know me. It makes you so comfortable to put your hands on me. But I guarantee you if that was a white woman, they would have thought twice. What is it about yourself that you think is not worthy enough or is not good enough that you would put your hands on your other sisters and brothers? 
Those are the, the questions we need to start asking ourselves. We all need healing. Like the whole world obviously needs healing. But I just specifically feel as black people, as African people, with what we have been through, it's important to start having these conversations. Because I've also had conversations with people that were like, you're completely crazy and what you're saying is not valid. A girl who at that point I called my best friend, but obviously <laughs> this is why we have friends no more. I think in terms of colorism, that is the person that hurt me the most. Because you were the, supposed to be the person that knew me the most. And when I told you about my experiences of colorism, the response to that was, everyone goes through colorism. Girl, have you been made to feel like humiliated because of your skin tone? Have you ever been made to feel ugly because of your skin tone by another black person? Not by someone of a different race, your own brothers, your own sisters, making you feel ugly. So we should be able, as black people, to start having this, these conversations. Because if there's things like colorism, you know, things like tribalism, things like you're from this country, I'm from that country. But then at the end of the day, I said I'm from Uganda and my name, like half the Kenyans would have been like, I thought you were like, because we didn't put the borders. Those are the, the things that were implemented that are still going on today. And those are the things that we need to be tackling as people. What is it that makes me look at you and prefer to do business with someone from Europe when I could grow my own local like town? Why, why, is, why do I think that I need to look outside of myself to accept myself? It happened with my favorite example, Wakanda. Every time, and when Black Panther came out and the word hashtag Wakanda was a thing, still is a thing. Um, and then guys, don't, don't like, don't come for me because like, these are my personal views, to be honest. This is how I feel. Like just what I'm feeling at the time. For me, I just think like that word used to make me cringe. Every time I heard it, I'd be like, oh, don't say that. Like, like, can I have Wakanda vibes? And it's like, it was, let me give you the analogy of coffee, of, of uh, cotton and Wakanda, the concept of Wakanda. Cotton was picked in Africa, sent to America, made into cloth, made into t-shirts, sold back to us. Why couldn't we do that ourselves? Why couldn't we appreciate the value of the cotton ourselves? Wakanda. Africa, the word Africa. So people used to holler at me, be like, hey, I'm looking for makeup. Can you do Wakanda vibes? I always used to be like, you mean African vibes? African. It took someone in Hollywood to take Africa, reshuffle it, give us Wakanda. Then we would be cool with it. Why can't we just be cool with African vibes? Why can't we be proud of what we already have? I'm not trying to start no wars. I hope nobody comes for me. But, like, I just want to also leave off with a question, to be honest. Like, if Africa blocked off everything to, of, like, all its board, no coming in, no going out to the rest of the world, who would suffer? Catch our next African stories in the next episode. So there's two things that I love about Sinita. A, how real and raw she was about her story and her love for Africa, but that she's being very proactive about it. So not only is she one of the top makeup artists we have in our country today, but she has a store called Nebia Beauty. And you can check out that page. She stocks 
only African products. And I got some of the products in December. So I think I got a serum, a lip balm that I'm absolutely loving, lashes that are from Kenya. She just has a range of different body and beauty products that are African and are damn good. So make sure you check it out. I'll put a link to the Insta page in the description box. I also, speaking of dope African things, need to remind you that we're 10 days away from turning one year old as Legally Clueless, i.e. this podcast. So on the 18th of March, we're going to be one year old and we're celebrating by throwing a storytelling party at Lava Latte. I am so excited about it. Because some of the stories that you have loved in various episodes are going to be performed live. So let me break it down for you. There was a story by Kadzo in one of the episodes about dating this guy called Brian (laughs) who ended up being married. She's going to be telling that story live. There is the story by Samantha a couple of episodes ago where she spoke about leaving an abusive marriage and um being very intentional about her healing. It's such a powerful, powerful story. She's going to be sharing that story live. Edgar, a couple of episodes ago, spoke about his story on child trauma and having PTSD and healing from that and going to therapy. He's going to be telling that story live. Kit shared a story about raising her two kids and the wacky questions her daughter asks her. And she was just so honest about the motherhood journey She's going to be telling that story live and she's so excited and I'm just, I'm so happy that she gets to share that story live. Who else? Ooh, Bobby. Yes, Bobby. Um, We recorded his story when I was doing the university tour and his story was so moving and I'm just so humbled that he's going to be gracing the storytelling party and sharing his story live. Then there is also Thiru, a.k.a. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. I know. (laughs) He's going to be sharing his story um, live. Actually, the episode that has his story is called Tall, Dark, and Handsome. And so it's just going to be a space for us to connect as human beings. And there's going to be spaces for you if you come through to share your story as well. Entry is absolutely free. In the description box, there is a link to where exactly the venue is. The venue is a beautiful restaurant called Lava Latte. It just awakens your inner artist when you walk into that restaurant. The food is bomb. I love their samosas. So when you come to make sure you order those. Um, (laughs) It's just such a peaceful place that I I thought it was the right space for us to connect as, as human beings through our stories. So yeah, 18th of March, the party starts at 7 p.m. at Lava Latte. Please come through. I would love to meet face-to-face you who's part of the Legally Clueless tribe. Now, speaking of meeting people face-to-face, I've just come home from the Two Rivers talk that Val, my best friend, and I were hosting. I spoke about it at the beginning of this episode, and it went so beautifully. My God, remember I was telling you how I was so scared that nobody was going to turn up. My husband was counting, so he came, and he was counting the, the, the number of people that we had. First, we had to keep adding benches because there was more people than anticipated. He said he counted just over 100 people, which, remember, I was expecting 10 people. <laughs> 
so the conversation was so beautiful and so rich. Val had really given her questions so much thought. I had so much fun, guys. And if you were one of the people there, thank you so much for coming. If you didn't manage to come, Later on in the week, I'm going to be sharing episodes of the conversation that we had on my social media platform. So you can look out for that at Adelo Nyango on Facebook and on Instagram. But yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful. And so at the end of the entire talk, I grabbed Val and we went to a corner and we were just so excited and I managed to capture that. So that's how this episode is going to end. See you on the 18th of March, Lava Latte, 7 p.m. We're turning one year old. We're having a storytelling party and entry is absolutely free. All right, guys. So we are at Two Rivers and we just finished. Yeah. So we just finished the entire talk. I think it went really well. I think it went well, but I was very nervous. Like, my cousins are just telling me how when I was holding the paper, you could just see it. Fuck up my cousin, Nasawano is like, when you are funding yourself, like that's how hard my hand was shaking. It looked like I was funding myself. And then like my leg couldn't stop shaking. So I, I think I managed to control the hand, but the leg just refused. And I'm like, Nisawa, shake, just shake. It's fine. Shake if you want to shake. Well, it went well. It went really well. I'm very well. happy. Prep went well. Yeah. And everything. The questions were so good. Um, the turnout was also The channel! was was even more than I expected and yeah. I and I knew it would be huge and I told you this space is not enough so, totally I, so I knew it would be big yeah. but not this yeah, big yeah yeah I'm so touched like that I know I'm just like, oh, I know God, you guys took time off your day to come so, so I really cute yeah it. I really yeah it. I really was I got to meet some readers yeah yeah and that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.